Well, happy Resurrection Day to you. Uh, this is a great day, one of, uh, if not the best days of the year. Just very, very uh, thankful today to be able to remember with you the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, that monumental day in history when God, in and through Jesus Christ, He overcame death for us and He opened for us uh, the gate into everlasting life. And man, you just got to love it when the Lord uh, in His kindness gives you great sunshine on, on Easter Sunday. Isn't that glorious? And this truly is probably the only day of the year when it is absolutely fitting to worship God in a yellow gym. Uh, so man, we praise God. That just screams resurrection life. So we are thankful today for the sun and the yellow gym. If you have a Bible, please turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're going to be reading this morning verses 19 through 23. Be focusing primarily just on one verse there and kind of opening that up for a little bit. Let me quickly set the context before we uh, pray and read here. The events in this passage here took place on the evening of Christ's resurrection. Jesus was crucified on a Friday afternoon. We now call it Good Friday. My children ask me all the time, why is it good if he was killed? Well, it was good because it opened the gate of everlasting life. So it is now Good Friday. He was crucified on Friday afternoon. Uh, his dead body then lay in a cave-like tomb from Friday to Sunday, and sometime early Sunday morning, still dark, that dead body came back to life, and Jesus Christ walked, we, we think, out of that tomb, a real flesh and blood body. And as we just read earlier, Jesus then appeared to a couple of his female followers. And this passage right here then is later that same day, Sunday evening, the very first time the risen Jesus will now appear to his apostles, Peter, James, John, and so on. Let's pray and then we'll read. Well, Father, we just thank you for the opportunity this morning to celebrate the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This event that has opened up the gate of everlasting life for us. And Father, we pray as we turn to your word and just consider the resurrection for a few minutes today. We ask now, Father, for your blessings upon us in and through our risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for it now. In His name we pray, Amen. Verse 19, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when He had said this, He showed them His hands and His side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so 
I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Amen. Well, many of you have have probably received at, at some point in your life some sort of Easter gift. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, many of you kids have gone through this as well. My parents would give my brother, sister, and me uh, an Easter basket, and we'd then run around the yard. It was in Kansas, so there wasn't snow on the ground. Uh, but we would run around the yard looking for chocolate eggs uh, they had hidden. My dad, being the overly competitive man he was, uh, would inevitably hide his eggs in places where little kids could never find them. Uh, We would uh, typically find them some six months later, uh, half disintegrated deep inside some treacherous thorn bush, (laughs) just the place for little kids. Uh, Didn't stop us from eating the eggs. (laughs) They just tasted a little bit uh, different six months later. Uh, But that was Easter for me as a kid. Those were my Easter gifts. And and, uh, listen, I have nothing against those types of Easter gifts. That's, That's fun stuff. I know many of you adore Adults will be looking for eggs later today. Enjoy that. Uh, but, but please just recognize that God, because of the resurrection of Jesus, well, God now has some infinitely better Easter gifts that He now offers to you. And I want to think with you here today for just a few minutes about, about just one of the Easter gifts that God now offers to you because of the bodily resurrection of Christ. And, and listen, this particular Easter gift is one a lot of people don't often think about as being connected to the resurrection of Christ. It is one of the most overlooked of all of the Easter gifts, I think. And, and what is this Easter gift? Well, here it is. Because of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, well, God now offers to you today the very presence of the risen Christ Himself. You now, because of the resurrection of Jesus, well, you can have in your life right now the, the constant, every day, every second presence of the risen Christ that could not have happened before Christ raised from the dead. His resurrection made it all possible. You can now, because of the resurrection of Christ, have in your life the constant, every day, every second presence of the risen Christ. And we see it here in John chapter 20. John tells us there in verse 19 that this was now the evening of the, the, that same day, the first day of the week, still resurrection Sunday right here. Christ was raised this morning and now it's evening. And the disciples here, John says, are, are hiding behind locked doors, terrified now of the Jewish authorities. That makes perfect sense. They, the Jewish authorities had just crucified their master just a couple days before this. And in their minds, it would have been nothing now for the Jewish authorities to come after Jesus' followers. They're terrified behind these closed doors. You ever babysit when you were young? 
put the kids down. It's at night. Uh, all the kids are asleep. You're in this big house. And you're suddenly just convinced that somebody is coming for you. Uh, Jason in his hockey mask is going to break into the house. You are spooked. And that was probably these disciples here in this locked room at night spooked for what might then come into the room. And they probably then got even more spooked. When Jesus suddenly showed up in the room, if you look at the end of verse 19, all of a sudden now, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. We don't know how exactly Jesus got into this locked room. Uh, He either just miraculously passed somehow through the walls or, or, or through these locked doors this type of beam me in Scotty type of entrance for Jesus or he supernaturally unlocked those locked doors we don't know but he is suddenly there in the middle of this room and and these disciples here were probably initially freaked out thinking he was some sort of ghost or, or, or phantom there in the room. Probably one of the reasons why Jesus on two occasions said to his disciples here, peace be with you disciples. Shalom. Uh, it's okay. I'm, I'm here. And, and Jesus then showed them the scars on, on his hands and, and on his side, proving to them that he was the same Christ who was on the cross just a couple days earlier, also proving to them now that he still had a real flesh and blood body. He was not just some sort of of phantom. And John then says the disciples were, were glad when they saw the Lord Probably a huge understatement, I would imagine, uh, from John right there. These disciples were probably thrilled uh, to know this was Jesus. For starters, thrilled to know that it wasn't some sort of phantom uh, in the room. But man, doubly thrilled, just overjoyed, I think, to know now that their master, the one whom they had loved and, and they had followed, for several years, the one whom they had, had just seen brutally executed was standing in front of them, alive. And not just a ghost, but, but flesh and blood alive. And they're around him, and they're, they're, they're feeling his, the scars in his hands, and he's showing them the, his side where the spear went in. And you can just picture these disciples just... just just embracing him, mobbing him, and kissing him, practically suffocating him. Get off of me, you'll kill me again, uh, disciples. And the, the joy in this room, the gladness 
They see Jesus here, and Jesus then, in the conversation that follows, He quickly commissions these apostles. As the Father sent me apostles, as He sent me, in the same way He sent me to go into the world to make more Christ followers, well, in the same way now, apostles, I'm sending you into the world to make more Christ followers. But then... But then, man, Jesus does something here a little unusual. The evening of His resurrection, the only place in the Bible right here where this particular thing is recorded, if you look at verse 22 again, here it is. And when Jesus had said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And you just picture that. I mean, that may sound a little strange to you and me. Jesus breathed on his apostles, blowing on them a highly significant action from the Lord Jesus Christ. When God first created the human race, Genesis 2 says that God breathed into Adam's nostrils, and he became a living being. In a later vision that Ezekiel saw, Ezekiel 37, God breathed on some dry bones in a valley, and the bones stood, and they lived. And and Jesus now, by breathing on his disciples here, well, one thing Jesus is doing right there is identifying himself as God. God in human flesh. You know, some people say, well, Jesus never really claimed to be God. Oh, yes, He did. Many different times in many different ways. And here's one of them breathing now on His apostles, identifying Himself as God in human flesh. And He then says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And most commentators believe Jesus was giving His disciples there a little object lesson. Jesus always used object lessons. Consider the lilies. Consider the sparrows. And now He says, He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. A little object lesson most commentators believe. Indicating to them what would happen to them in the very near future. They would very soon receive the wind of the Holy Spirit in their souls. And they did. Acts chapter 2, the the day of Pentecost. I just recently preached on it. 50 days after this resurrection right here. 50 days later, after Jesus had finally ascended back to heaven, He poured out His Holy Spirit upon all of His followers. They then received the Holy Spirit permanently deep in their souls. The very thing Jesus said would happen to them right here. And that right there, this receiving of the Holy Spirit, is something that now happens to all of Christ's followers here today. The second you genuinely start following Christ in faith. 
You know, up to this point in the Bible, right here, before the resurrection of Christ, the Holy Spirit had been active around God's people to some degree. The Spirit coming temporarily on different people and empowering them at times to to do different things. But up to this point in time here, it seems that the Holy Spirit had not yet filled all of God's people permanently. But that changed On the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection, Acts chapter 2, from that day forward at Pentecost up till today, now, every single true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, every single true Christian, one thing you now receive deep in your soul, one thing you now receive the second you become a true Christian, is the Holy Spirit taking a permanent residence now within all of God's people. And please listen to me. This gift of the Holy Spirit, this indwelling Spirit that every Christian now receives, well, that right there is a resurrection gift from the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. That is one of the primary Easter gifts. It is intimately connected to the resurrection of Jesus. This Holy Spirit might have been given initially at Pentecost 50 days later, but this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit was purchased by Christ in His death and His resurrection. It is because of Christ's death and resurrection. It is on the basis of His death and resurrection that Jesus could now give His Holy Spirit to all of His people. Up to this point in time, the ministry of the Spirit on the earth had been limited to some degree. But the second Jesus was raised from the dead here, and oh my word, John wants you to know here, it was on the very same day of His resurrection, that same evening, right after He had been raised from the dead, Jesus now turns to His disciples, commissions them, and says, now receive the Holy Spirit. Now, it won't happen immediately for these guys, these apostles, because Jesus still has to ascend back to heaven. In order for Jesus to give the Holy Spirit to these apostles and all his people, well, he first had to go through his humiliation going down all the way from heaven to death on a cross. And Jesus also then had to go through his exaltation or his glorification going back up to heaven, which began with his resurrection here and would be finished at his ascension. Jesus, back in John 16, 7, before his death, he said this to his disciples. Jesus said, nevertheless, disciples, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away in my exaltation back to heaven. For if I do not go away, if I do not rise from the dead and ascend back to heaven, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, if I do rise and ascend back to heaven, my exaltation, I will then send Him to you. And Jesus right here with His resurrection, He has now begun to, 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 to be raised back to heaven in His exaltation. And it's because of both His death and His resurrection and subsequent ascension back to heaven that Jesus can now give to all of His followers the Holy Spirit. 
Man, this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit is a resurrection gift. It didn't happen before Jesus died and was raised. And then he says, receive now the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is is one of the primary Easter gifts that God now offers to you. You know, when we think about the resurrection, so often we think back about the facts surrounding the resurrection. We think in the past or we look forward to the future when Christ returns and all Christians are then raised from the dead. We think to the past, we think to the future, and we miss the present. We miss the power of the resurrection in the here and now today. And one of the things, one of the ways the resurrection impacts believers today is through the indwelling Holy Spirit, which was purchased in Christ's death and resurrection. And please hear me on this. This this Easter gift of the Holy Spirit is for anyone who now wants it. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. You could be the worst person on planet earth. And if that's you, hey, that's okay. (laughs) Jesus still looks at you today with a smile on his face. And he says to you, you, even you, because I was both crucified and raised again, receive now the Holy Spirit. Amazing to receive the Spirit in your soul. Man, do you, do you realize, do you realize whose spirit that is? That is the very spirit of this risen Christ right here. We don't serve a dead Savior. He's alive. And not just in heaven but inside of you if you are a Christ follower. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 4, 6, he says this about all Christians. God has sent the Spirit of His Son, the Spirit of Jesus, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, once you truly become a genuine Christian, a Christ follower, well, you have now received the very spirit of this risen Jesus right here deep in your soul. And the eternal Son of God now goes with you everywhere you go. Do you realize that when Jesus was still on this earth here with his disciples, Jesus could only be in one place at a time. Jesus, when he, when he took on human flesh, he became like us. He took on our human limitations. Which means he could be with people over there, but he couldn't at the same time be with people over there. Now that blows our minds because God fills the universe. (laughs) But in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a sense where He was limited, like you and me, in one place at a time. I know you would like uh, on many occasions to be able to be in millions of places (laughs) at once. (laughs) I know I wish that, but you can't be. And Jesus In his incarnation here on earth, he was in one place at one time. 
And that's one of the main reasons why Jesus said there in John 16 that it would be to the disciples' advantage for him to go away. Because he could then send the helper, the Holy Spirit. He could then send his own spirit to be with all of his disciples at the same time. In and through the person of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That's mind-blowing. That's mind-blowing. Jesus with his disciples, all of them, over there, over here, all at the same time. The constant, every day, every second presence of the risen Christ with you if you are now a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) Jesus says this to Christians in Matthew 28, 20. And behold, I am with you always. To the end of the age. The constant, every day, every second presence of the risen Christ with you, Christian. Always a precious Easter gift from God that He now offers to you. What does that mean for you? (laughs) What does that mean for you then? If you do follow Christ today, a a genuine Christ follower and you received the the spirit of the risen christ in your soul what does that mean for you you know so many christians today talk about jesus living in their hearts all the time jesus in my heart jesus in my heart jesus in my heart but when you when push really comes to shove it doesn't mean anything to them what does it mean to have the very spirit of the risen christ the, the presence of the risen christ with you at all times. Let me name just a couple things that means for you. To have the, the, the constant presence of the risen Christ in your life. Do you know one thing it means for you? It means companionship. A constant companionship. It means you will never ever truly be alone Again, man, loneliness, it's a huge issue in our fallen world. It, it, it just is. We've, we've all tasted loneliness at, at, at times, this, this sense of, of isolation. Some of you may have experienced recently some form of rejection, very common in, in our world. Uh, someone may be severing ties with you somehow, has now left you very alone. You, you, you just have this deep down feeling of, of of loneliness now, or, or maybe you haven't been rejected, but you, for some reason, you just wake up every single morning just feeling alone, surrounded by people, and I just feel it alone. Every human being feels it at times. And you know what? Jesus Christ understands that loneliness. Jesus experienced a human loneliness on the cross, cut off from all human companionship, people mocking at him, his disciples running away from him, and also at that time cut off from all companionship with God the Father, Jesus crying out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, just this deep down painful loneliness on the cross, he understands 
your loneliness. But, but you know what Jesus was doing there on the cross? He was taking our loneliness upon himself. The loneliness of the human race caused by our sin. And Jesus did that so that you might now be brought out of that, that, that loneliness. Jesus made it possible through his death and resurrection. Jesus now looks at you with eyes full of compassion in your loneliness. The loneliness of the human race. And he says, receive my spirit. Receive my spirit. And I will be with you. Always. 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 The constant presence of the risen Christ at all times. You lay down at night. And you get up in the morning. In your worst days, he's there. In your worst sins, Jesus does not leave you, Christian. He's there. And you, you don't always uh, feel it. Doesn't mean you'll never feel alone anymore as a Christian. You will at times. But what it does mean is that even though you might feel alone as a Christ follower, you are never truly alone. You always have a constant companionship with the risen Christ. G.K. Chesterton, he was an 1800s writer and theologian. Shortly after he became a Christian, he was approached by a newspaper reporter who said to him, Sir, I understand you recently became a Christian. May I ask you one question? And Chesterton said, certainly. And the reporter said, If the risen Christ suddenly appeared at this very moment and stood behind you, what would you do? And Chesterton looked the reporter square in the eye and said, He is. Knowing even as a young Christian that the risen Christ was always with him. St. Augustine said this, he said, The risen one is more intimate with me than I am with myself. The risen Christ, once His Spirit is in your soul, He is more intimate with you than you are with yourself. He is closer to you at all times than you are to yourself. That's one thing the constant presence of the risen Christ means in your life. It means companionship. A second thing it means... It means life. You know, when you have the Spirit of the risen, living Christ within you, man, you now have this bubbling fountain of life within you, which is an amazing thing. Because the Bible says that the human race in our sinful fallen condition, we are dead on the inside. Spiritually Dead. But Jesus on the cross took our death upon Himself in order that we might have His life. And He now looks at us in our deadness and He says, receive My Spirit. And man, once you do, and you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
you have His very resurrection life inside of you. The Bible says, man, on countless occasions, the Bible says that this indwelling Holy Spirit is a life-giving Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.6, the Spirit gives life. John 6.63, it is the Spirit who gives life. 1 Corinthians 15.45, He is a life-giving Spirit. And John 7.37 says this, Jesus stood up and He cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. Whoever believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart, out of your heart, if you believe in Christ, out of his heart or out of her heart, will flow rivers of living water. Now this Jesus said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given at that point in time, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But Jesus has now been glorified through His resurrection and ascension back to heaven. And He now, man, gives His Spirit to all who believe in Him and follow Him. And when you have that Spirit inside of you, you now, according to Jesus, have a, 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 a river of living water. The very resurrection life of Jesus within you. That's amazing. You won't always feel that as a believer. There are days as a Christian, you will feel like you're dead inside. I have, uh, I think it was my grandmother used to say, there are days when you will feel like death warmed over. Uh, you just, you, you just will, will. Don't feel the life there. But if the Spirit's there, the life is there. You know, when a baby is first conceived in a mother's womb, the mother can go for days having a baby inside and not knowing it. There's a chance that some of you ladies today actually have a newborn inside of you and you don't see it or feel it, but the life is there. And that's how it goes with a Christian. There are days you don't see or feel the life within you. You don't feel the life in, in, inside, but it's there. And the Bible says that it is an eternal life which will culminate in an eternal existence with Jesus in a flesh and blood body forever and ever and ever. And that's part of having that spirit, the, the presence of the risen Christ in, in your life. It's the second thing. The constant presence of the risen Christ means in your life companionship, life. And a third thing it means, it means power. <laughs> Man, when you have the Spirit of the risen Christ living within you, you now have power in you. In and of yourself, in, in our fallen condition. Man, we are so powerless so weak, so frail, so finite. The Bible says you're like grass. You're, you're here today and you're gone. You're gone tomorrow. But Jesus on the cross took our weakness upon Himself in order that we might have His power. And Jesus now, man, the all-powerful one, looks out at you in your weakness and He says, receive my Spirit. Receive. Receive the Holy Spirit. And His power then works in you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. 
The same power that raised, raised Christ back up to the right hand of the Father in, in heaven is now at work within you. The Apostle Paul, Ephesians 3.19, he prayed this for Christians. He prayed that Christians would know what is the immeasurable greatness of God's power toward us who believe according to the, the working of His might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places. Paul's just praying, oh God, may these Christians know, may they comprehend the immeasurable greatness of the power that now works in them. The same power that, that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in heaven. Man, that same power is now at work in your life if you've received the Spirit of the risen Christ. It's there. What does this risen Christ within you empower you to do? Lots of things. Do you know one thing this risen Christ inside of you now empowers you to do? He simply empowers you to endure. He empowers you to endure as his follower through hardship and pain and difficulties, through suffering, even through death. That's what Christ was empowered to do. He was empowered to endure through his sufferings, his mockings, his beatings, his death. And the risen Christ in you will empower you to endure through your own afflictions and difficulties and sufferings and pain and death. That's such a good thing because, man, many of you know the Christian life on this earth is often lived more in the valley than on the mountaintop. You know, definitely mountaintop experiences as a Christian. There are moments when things are good and they feel good, but they're fleeting. Even as a Christian, they are. Be honest. A lot of the Christian life has lived not on the mountaintop, has lived in the valley, suffering, pain, hardship, confusion, doubt. A single phone call can alter abruptly the course of your entire life. I'm so sorry, but your spouse was in a terrible accident. Intensive care, critical condition. I'm so sorry your, your child was arrested. I'm so sorry... Your three-year-old daughter was playing with mine by the side of the pool. I left her for just a second. Please forgive me. It just takes one phone call. And your life is, 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 is tragically changed. Brendan Manning said this. When tragedy makes its unwelcome appearance and we are deaf to everything but the shriek of our own agony, when courage flies out the window and the world seems to be a hostile, menacing place, it is the hour of our own Gethsemane. No word, however sincere, offers any comfort or consolation. The night is bad, our minds are numb, our hearts vacant, our nerves shattered. How will we make it through the night? And yet, he says, it may happen in these most desperate trials of our human existence that beyond any rational explanation, we may feel a nail-scarred hand clutching ours. We make it through the night. And darkness gives way to the light of morning. The tragedy radically alters the direction of our lives. But in our vulnerability and defenselessness, we experience the power 
of Jesus in his present risenness. In your darkest night as a Christian, with the the Spirit of the risen Christ within you, a nail-scarred hand still clutches yours, empowers you to endure. And the beautiful thing about the Christian life, one of the things we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday is that the suffering of this present life is not the end of the story. But that nail-scarred hand will ultimately someday in the future lift your own body from the grave and it will then lead you into a new creation called a heaven. No more pain or sorrow or tears anymore. Companionship, life, power. And just one final thing, the constant presence of the risen Christ in your life means it means it means love. Because the one who dwells within you is love. First John four eight, God is love. Jesus is love. And if you are a genuine follower of Christ, you have that spirit of the risen Christ within you. And please hear this. The one who is love, who's living in you now, he loves you with an infinite, eternal love. Proved it on the cross. The demonstration of his love. And his love for you will never change. It's not based on your performance, which is a great thing because your performance stinks, not mine. It's not based on performance. It's based on the perfect performance of Christ. And He loves you. As J.I. Packer said, Jesus loves all people in some way, but Jesus loves His people in a very special way. And that's good, man. This fallen world can be such a loveless place. We walk around looking for love all over the place. We don't find it. And Jesus looks out and says, receive the Holy Spirit and you will have my presence within you, loving you at all times. Companionship, life, power, love. And the constant presence of the risen Christ in your life means so much more than that. And the resurrection of Christ made it possible. The giving of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the primary Easter gifts. One of the most precious of all the Easter gifts. It's an Easter gift that affects you in the here and now, today. The constant presence. Every second presence of the risen Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit. So, so as I close here on Resurrection Sunday, can, can I encourage you to do something? Here it is, John twenty twenty two. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive today the Spirit of the risen Christ and enjoy the constant presence of Christ forever and ever and ever. And how do you receive that? 
How does that happen? How, how do you become a Christ follower, a Christian, and you receive this resurrection gift of the Spirit of Christ? It's very simple. The Bible's very clear on that. It is through repentance and faith that you, that you become a Christ follower, you are forgiven of your sins, and you receive this gift of the Spirit. The Bible says we are all sinners. We, we, we have all rebelled against God in many ways, in, in our thoughts, our, our words, and, and, and our actions. All of us now, because of our sin, deserving from God His eternal wrath. All of us now heading quickly towards an eternal death and separation from God in hell. And yet, even in our sin and rebellion, God still loved us. And He sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to take our punishment. The Bible says that Jesus on the cross, He took our sin upon Himself. This is why He went to the cross. And on that cross, Jesus absorbed in his own body the full punishment for our sin. He took the wrath of God. He took the condemnation that our sins deserved. And because Jesus paid the full penalty for our sin in his death and resurrection, well, you can now be forgiven by God. And you can receive his Holy Spirit. You can receive the Spirit of the risen Christ. And the Bible's crystal clear that only happens through repentance and faith. The Bible says that you must repent. It means that you have a change of heart or a change of of mind. You you see that you've been sinning against God and you turn towards God. You turn toward Jesus and you cry out to God for for mercy, repentance. And, And the Bible says you must also have faith. You must also Put your faith, your, your living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, clinging to Him in faith and, and beginning to follow Him in faith as, as your, your Master. And that repentance and faith is critical. Please hear me on this. There's many faces here. I'll never see you again. Will you please hear me on this? Repentance and faith is absolutely critical. God does not forgive you of your sin and give you the Holy Spirit just because you were baptized as a baby. God does not forgive you of your sin and give you the Holy Spirit just because you go to church services. God does not forgive you of your sin and give you the Holy Spirit just because you tried to do good things in your life to be a good person. No, God forgives you of your sin and He gives you the Holy Spirit if and only if you will repent and believe in and trust in and follow Christ in faith. And man, the second you genuinely do that, the Bible says you have received the Spirit of the risen Christ. He will now be present with you everywhere you go, every second of every day. You now have everything that goes along with that. You have the companionship, you have the life, you have the power. You have everything. Everything and more. So please, man, don't go another day without it. Jesus is risen. And he has now sent his Holy Spirit around this world. Please, repent and believe and receive the Holy Spirit. (laughs) An incredible Easter gift from God. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for the resurrection of Christ and all it means. We thank you, Father, for the forgiveness that's there in the resurrection of, of Christ. We thank you, Father, for the future hope we have that because Jesus was raised in a flesh and blood body that is the guarantee that every Christ follower will also be raised 
in a flesh and blood body. We thank you for these things. And we thank you for this blessing in the present day. The gift of your Holy Spirit. This resurrection gift poured out after the resurrection. Father, help us. Father, in our hearts to repent and believe and receive this gift of the Spirit. The every day, every second, constant presence of the risen Christ. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.